welcome into the program from BearsIllustrated.com, Tim Watkins. Tim, good afternoon, man. Appreciate your time today. Absolutely. Thanks, guys, for having me. We'll talk about some off-the-field stuff, but let's talk about on-the-field. Bohannon named the uh, starting quarterback. Just your overall thoughts and impressions uh, as uh, Bohannon would take the reins of this Bears football team. Yeah, it was something that, that a lot of fans saw during the spring game a couple of months ago where Bohannon emerged as, as the best on that day at least, able to move the offense both with his arms and his legs. We've seen him successfully pilot drives traditionally with his legs uh, at times during the regular season. Uh, the question is, is he going to be able to make those throws? We saw that during the spring game that he was. With Baylor really transitioning to that wide zone scheme, leveraging uh, a, a running a focused approach to the offense, utilizing a, a, a more play action bootleg type mindset, which is very different than we've seen over the last four years in a true drop back passing attack that Charlie Brewer was better fitted for. Now Bohannon's athleticism, his ability to stretch the defense with his legs horizontally as well as get the ball out vertically deep, that's something that I think really intrigued the Baylor staff. And, and you want to talk about off the field, being a leader, being mature, uh, being a junior. He has his degrees in the master's program now. He's ready emotionally and mentally and physically to be the guy on campus for the Bears as their starting quarterback. Tim, is there any other position now that quarterback is solidified that you may think still be up for grabs or they haven't quite decided on yet? Yeah, you know, defensively, really the only position that they're, they're having to, to replace somebody is that jack linebacker rush and linebacker spot. There's still some competition there, and I think it's, it's less a competition for who will be the starter versus what roles those players will be asked to fill. They're going to have pass rushing roles. They're going to have hybrid roles where am I asking them to drop back in coverage? Am I asking them to rush the passer or set the edge? So really understanding who's going to be the best fit to do the job at that time for that game. I think there's going to be movement in that position where you're looking at Ashton Logan, Garmin Randolph. Who's going to be the better fit for what the defense needs to do that week? Offensively, you know, uh, Tretton Ebner and Abram Smith are still battling for that starting running back position. I think Ebner's probably going to be the guy, but Abram Smith looked great in the spring game, really impressed a lot of people. Is that true one-cut north-south running back that excels uh, uh, in that wide zone scheme? He could be making a play there as well. And there's still a lot of questions along the offensive line, especially at right tackle and in the interior line where they have Grant Miller, they have John Gall, they have uh, – uh, Xavier Newman all battling for those three interior spots with Michael Mascou and some other guys as well battling for that. Khalil Keith as well is involved there. So really, sources are telling me they're going to try to fit, fit the guys that are going to pro provide the best run blocking, provide that aggressive approach to really fix this run game, which was a major weakness last year. Talking with Tim Watkins from Bears Illustrated. Tim, we, we talk a lot about offense. We talk a lot about defense. One, one area that can win or lose a football game for you is special teams. Is Dave Aranda comfortable with what he has right now in, in the special teams category? I, I think so, especially in the return game. You know, Matthew Pallage is, is an excellent and elite special teams coordinator, and, and the Bears are in great hands there. Uh, Tresson Ebner uh, is an All-American candidate in the return game. He has the ability to take that punt or kick and return it for a touchdown every time he touches the ball. We saw that last year. Uh, so from a return game, I, I think there's a lot of confidence. 
Isaac Power had some up and down struggles last year. Um, they need a little bit more from them, especially as they will probably be more of a defensive focused team playing that field position game. So they need a little bit more from him, but there's confidence. The, the power in the leg is there. They just need to get that more consistency from him. The kicking game. We saw it struggle in the early beginning of the year. We saw it great in 2019. A lot of those pieces are still there. You again, just hope to have a little bit more consistency. But the pieces are there for special teams to be a very strong point for this Bears program. Tim, with this offense being the wide zone and looking different than what Bear fans have seen in the past, what can they expect? Is this going to be more up-tempo than they've seen in the past couple of years, or is this going to be a more traditional offense just with wider splits? Well, I, I do think that the ability to leverage tempo as a weapon is something that Jeff Grimes has wanted to do, and they showed that at BYU last year. And, and that's something that, that I thought, you know, over the last four years, Baylor would go up-tempo, but they only do it in two-minute warning or two-minute drives, uh, really emergency situations. And we saw in 2018 and 2019, the Bears with Charlie Brewer really excel in those up-tempo, two-minute drive, end-of-game situations. Uh, we didn't really see a lot of that last year and the ability to provide and use tempo as a weapon. I, I've always never been an up-tempo guy. Um, I, I, I sure as heck enjoyed it in the, a couple of years ago with our brawls doing that, but I think there's negatives to that. And that's always what Coach Rule and Coach Aranda have said. But to leverage that when appropriate, to have that in the tool bag to say when the defense is on its heels, when we get a first down, let's go again, let's go quick and make sure that we're playing to our advantage, I do think that is something the Bears are going to do more aggressively in 2021. Tim, for this for this football team to to get to a bowl game, do they need to start off 3-0? Absolutely. I think that's imperative. Uh, without that, you're looking at a, a home upset over a team that most people aren't expecting you to beat or a road win over uh, a TCU. Um, that's going to be tough this year uh, to be able to beat o Iowa State uh, early in the season, to be able to beat Oklahoma late in the season uh, and Oklahoma State. You know, there's a lot of depth in the Big 12. I think it's a deeper conference this year, and I think Oklahoma and Iowa State are better versions of what they were last year, especially with the experience they're returning at quarterback. Um, this is going to be a much better conference this year. So Baylor, even though they could be a better team, they might only be able to win one or two more games in Big 12 play. If it's only one more game, that's three wins. That means they have to make sure that they go 3-0 and in non-conference. When you look at this team and the inexperience on offense or, or just trying to get the offense to gel are they going to be leaning on the defense quite heavily the first few ball games? I think they have to. Uh, this has a de this is a defense that returns ten starters. It is a defense by a lot of metrics was a top thirty to top thirty five unit, and that was with Terrell Bernard missing most of the game. That was with a defensive line that was really battered with injuries. We didn't see Gabe Hall. We didn't see T.J. Franklin a lot. Josh Landry was in and out of the lineup. And, you know, we got, we got Puaika in there now as a true nose tackle, which is what this Dave Aranda-Ron Roberts defense really needs to drive and create that demand for a double team and really push the pocket back. So now all of a sudden you're bringing back a lot more depth along the defensive line. You're bringing in a true nose tackle. You have 10 returning starters around that. That's a lot of power on this defense and one that I think has the upside to be a, a top 10, top 15 unit in the nation. Talk with Tim Watkins from Bears Illustrated. Tim, let's go off the field for, for just a minute. Uh, with the alliance that was announced by the ACC, Big Ten, and, and Pac-12, what does that mean to Baylor? What does that mean to the Big 12, if anything? 
honestly, a handshake deal between a bunch of people that think they know everything probably doesn't matter much. <laughs> I mean, I, I, I didn't give my wife a handshake deal when I asked her to marry me. Um, I don't think she would have appreciated it. And really, in, in the in the uh, the joke that I see is obviously uh, verbal commitments hold a lot of weight in college football, and that's really what this is. This is a verbal commitment between three powerful conferences that definitely will act in their best interest when push comes to shove. Uh, I think long-term, once the scheduling aspect of it does come into play, if college football looks the same as it does now in 2035, uh, that could have an impact to Baylor because that is taking less inventory or less spots for a true marquee game. Um, you, you wouldn't be able to, to schedule a Duke, which, which had a, a home and away a few years ago. Oregon, which they have coming up in a couple of years, wouldn't be on the table possibly for a Baylor at that point. So I, I think long-term, that's really the only impact right now. I, I really don't see the value of it, the impact of it, positive or negative for Baylor. It's a, it's a non-binding handshake agreement between a bunch of people that will eventually act with their own self-interest and heart. Talking with uh, Tim Watkins from Bears Illustrated. And, and finally, I want to ask you uh, about what you see for for the future of this league. Is, is this a league that these eight teams are going to be unified and, and be able to stay together? That That is the question of the day. And, and right now, I, I think a couple uh, a weeks ago, whenever the news did break about Texas and Oklahoma, um, the, the smart money would have been, no, the Big 12 is dead. I, I think every month, that we do have more stability, time is on the Big 12 side in terms of survival. The longer the next domino takes to fall, the more likely that, that the Big 12 can stand on some type of foundation. Uh, it'll be very interesting uh, in the next week or so when the Pac-12 does announce if they are going to push forward with expansion discoveries or not. If they do, that is definitely a domino would fall. All of a sudden, all the Big 12 conferences, again, those handshake agreements to act in everybody's self-interest and stay together, all of a sudden if the Pac-12 starts saying who wants in, those handshakes go behind the back and all of a sudden the knives come out because take me, take me, take me. If the Pac-12 doesn't want to do a discovery and take a look at expansion, there's really no backfighting to, to really cause. Nothing is going to happen at that point because there is no viable landing spot that is better for any of the Big 12 schools now. The ACC is locked into a long-term uh, a, a grant of rights and long-term contract, and ESPN really doesn't want to renegotiate that, so why would they provide more money on a sweetheart deal with the ACC and let them save any of the Big 12 schools? The SEC, they took the cream of the crop from the Big 12. Is it worth it for them to take some four more schools to be able to destroy the Big 12? There's some argument to that, but I don't think it's likely. Big Ten, same thing. What is the value there? So if the Pac-12 says no, I really don't see a viable landing spot for any of the eight remaining that is better than the Big 12. Reports uh, coming out that uh, former West Virginia AD uh, Oliver Luck is going to join the the Big 12 conference. What do you think his role will be uh, in this situation? That, that's going to be fascinating. I mean, everybody uh, was pointing out quickly that huzzah, huzzah, uh, Bowlesby is going to be fired as Oliver Luck is going to be the new athletic director, but it's, it's Bowlesby bringing him in. So I don't think that's going to be the case, at least short term. However, I think it is a positive as Oliver Luck is very respected both by the Pac-12 
uh, somebody that the Big 12 wants to have some type of relationship with or without the alliance standing. If they can create a relationship with the ACC, with the with the uh, the Pac-12, with the Big 10, to be able to provide an inventory of games from a non-conference perspective, or have them acting somewhat in the Big 12's best interest. That's a positive, and Oliver Luck is very well respected, very well connected across the college football world. So I think his ability to get the Big 12's best interest in mind for some of the other conferences, that's that's going to be his job number one. All right, so Tim, what are you working on right now for Bears Illustrated? Yeah, looking at uh, more of the season preview stuff, we have the guys that please bear with me coming out with a second preview for the season. Um, and then I'm going to be taking a look at the run game, why that is going to be a key reason uh, for hope and a key area of improvement the Bears need to really put this offense back on the right track. All right, where can we find you? Uh, you can find me at TimWatkin04 on Twitter. Uh, BearsIllustrated.com uh, is the place to be. Happy to have every member that we can get, a growing community, uh, to get you covered and, and highlighted when it comes to recruiting for football, basketball, and all the pregame, postgame stuff your heart desires. Great stuff, Tim. We appreciate your time today, buddy. Thanks, guys. Take care. Have a good